Well, good morning, White Oak. It is so good to be here with you today. And if you're watching online, it is great to uh, have you tuned in as well, whenever and wherever you might be joining us. Uh, now, we are in week two of a series that we are calling Say Yes. And we kicked it off last week on Easter. And man, it was an awesome time to be here. If, uh, if you missed our Easter services, uh, go check those out on our website. But uh, man, it was awesome to be here in our second service service last week in our 1030 service. We had eight people be baptized. Isn't that awesome? And, uh, and so that was just so cool to be a part of that. But we've launched into this series that we started on Easter, and it's called Say Yes. And it is really about looking at how we can prioritize saying yes to the, God, to the things that God has called us to. Now, the truth is that a lot of us, we say yes to a lot of things. And if we were to really evaluate all of that, there's probably some things that we say yes to that we should probably be saying no to. Am I right? That we say yes to some things that we probably should be saying no to. All right? I don't, I don't have to paint many pictures, but uh, for me, it's any kind of snack that happens after 7 p.m. All right? I, I need to say no to it, but I'm always saying yes to it. All right? You, you understand? Uh, but just like that, there's some things that I say no to that if I really looked in the mirror, if I really evaluated my life, if I was really reading through Scripture and trying to hear from God if I'm being honest, there's some things that I say no to each and every day that God really is calling me to say yes to. And so this series is an evaluation for us of how do we prioritize, how do we begin to say yes to the things that God is calling us to say yes to more often. Here in 2023, right now, it feels like that we are living in the divided states of America. We are more divided now. It just feels like, and I know that all this is uh, subject to just your own personal feelings, but man, it just feels like that we can't seem to agree on anything, right? Our political parties are divided. Our communities feel like that they are divided. And, uh, and, and so here the, in America, at least, our, our culture has just become one of division. Just recently, we had another shooting here in Louisville, Kentucky, which is really close to us. And, and it's heartbreaking and it's tragic and our heart and our prayers go out to, to victims and families, not just there, but around the country. I mean, personally, it feels like that it's becoming an epidemic. And it's something that globally we know we want to stop. But, but even when it comes to solutions, we as a country are divided, right? We don't have... The answers, we, we don't have the right protocols. And if we got into a room, we can't come to an agreement on what the best steps forward are. And so what we recognize, what we realize is that uh, 
that we are this broken people. And sometimes it, it can, because we are so divided, it can, it can feel like, it can begin to feel like that our enemies are the people who live next door. Our enemies are the people who are across the aisle. That our enemies are the people who are different than us or think different than us. But God has called us to love people. God has called us to, to be one another with people. And Paul actually, in the book of Ephesians, I just want to begin with this. This idea. In Ephesians chapter uh, 6... Verse 12, I want to read this for you because Paul lays out this idea for us that's really important today. He says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You hear what Paul said? He says, our struggle, our battle, it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's not against your neighbors. It's not against people who look different or think different than you do. He says there's a real enemy out there. There's, there's a dark, evil force called the devil, called Satan, and he is our true enemy. Truth is that God has created all human beings in his likeness. We are all made in the image of God. Your neighbors, those people who live across from you, those people who you see on TV, those people that live in different areas of the country, different areas of the world, they are not our enemy. And so today we're going to take a look at the topic of saying yes to common ground. We want to create common ground with others so that we might have the opportunity to share with them the good news, the hope that is found only in Jesus. And so today, our big idea is this, say yes to building community. This is the only way Building community, finding common ground. This is the only way that we're going to have an opportunity to share the hope of Jesus with the world around us. I was at a, uh, I was at a conference a um, few years back, and, uh, and the topic of the day was being a good neighbor. And, and so there was a pastor who was up and he was given the message and he was talking about how he had just moved into this Denver, uh, Colorado neighborhood. And so he was just getting there. He was just uh, getting started working at this church and, and that he went in with this intentional idea. He said, you know what? I just really want to be a good neighbor I really want to get to know my neighbors. I want, to, I want to invite them to church. He said, but a few months in, he recognized the fact that he was just doing terrible at his mission, at his goal of wanting to get to know the people who lived around him. 
And so he said that uh, one day he just uh, caught the eye of uh, one of his neighbors. He was out tinkering on his lawnmower, getting ready to do some mowing. And so he just uh, decided, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go over and I'm going to uh, I'm going to talk to my neighbor. And so he walks over and he introduces himself and shares that, hey, several months ago, moved into the neighborhood. Maybe you've seen me. Uh, he said, actually, I'm a pastor at a local church. And he said, I'd love to invite you and your family to come and worship with us sometime. Yeah, it sounds great, right? He said, the guy kind of stammered for a second. He said, yeah, you know, I think we're okay. He said, but if you and your wife would like to get together sometime, we would love to do a cookout in the backyard. That pastor walked home and he said he was embarrassed, but he was convicted because he had forgot the crucial step of neighboring. He went straight for the ask without ever building any community without ever finding any common ground. And so we have been called by God to love people, to live in community with people, to share the good news message and hope that comes only through Jesus with people. Paul, he wrote that uh, verse that we just read in Ephesians, and he's also uh, going to uh, be writing this uh, passage we're going to look at here in a second. Uh, if you've got your Bibles today, uh, we're going to be jumping around into a couple different places. Uh, we started in Ephesians just taking a look at this idea that our, uh, our enemy is not one another, right? That we have this true enemy. But here in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul, who is a uh, missionary of God, he came to know uh, Jesus uh, later on in life after Jesus, had also, after Jesus had already been resurrected, all right? And he became a follower of Jesus, and he would travel around the world, the kind of the known world of that time, the Mediterranean area, establishing churches and, and sharing about the hope that we have in Jesus. But Paul was desperate in his ministry for people to come to know Jesus. He, he dedicated his entire life after coming into faith in Jesus to sharing the good news and the hope that we find in Jesus with anybody who would listen. That's what he dedicated himself to. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 20 through 22... Paul lays out this idea of, uh, of his philosophy on sharing the gospel. And so I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 20 through 22. This is what Paul says. He says, To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. 
so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. This is Paul's philosophy on sharing the gospel. You know, Paul grew up in a Jewish home and he was trained formally to be a Jewish rabbi, to be a leader in the Jewish religion, worshiping in the temple. And so when he says, I became like them, he, he had a background to that. He understood them. He had this common ground, but he was also born a Roman citizen. And so he had this background in what it meant to be as one who was not under the law. And so he tapped into that ability when he would talk to those who were not Jewish. And so Paul was perfectly placed in this world where he could minister to Jews who he wanted to convert to Christianity and Romans who would have grown up in this pagan background that he wanted to share the good news message and and come to faith in Christ. And so Paul says, whatever I needed to be, that's what I did. Paul found common ground. He was constantly looking for ways that he might be able to connect with the people around him. I love that phrase that was uh, in that passage that we read. It said, by all possible means. Just think about that for a second. I just wonder, when we think about finding common ground with the people around us, when we think about showing love and compassion to our neighbors and the people who think different than us and who look different than us, can you say, can I say, by all possible means, I've taken everything that I can do to help share the gospel with people. So we're talking about Paul, and as we are uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 17, that's where we're going to kind of remain here for a little bit. So if you want to turn there in your Bible, Acts chapter 17, if you don't have uh, your Bible, you can use your, uh, use your app on your phone. We've got free Bibles at the hub. We'd love to get in your hand. But in Acts chapter 17, Paul finds himself on a trip to Athens, Greece. And so uh, he is there. And if you know anything about Greece, all right, uh, they are famous for these Greek lowercase g gods. They worship all kinds of gods. And, and you can probably think of a few. They're, they're still uh, famous in what we would call Greek mythology today. And so uh, Paul is on this trip, and, and it's kind of, he's taken back by how many idols there are to false gods in the area. And so Paul begins to, just in the uh, city streets, in their uh, courtyards, he just begins to teach about Jesus 
about the resurrection of Jesus and about how God created the heavens and the earth and how God sent Jesus uh, as the one redeemer for mankind. And so Paul is just preaching to people and it kind of raises some eyebrows. And so they politely come and get Paul and they escort him into uh, into an area where they're like, hey, hey, buddy. We've got some questions for you. Uh, we're not really sure what you're teaching. We've never heard of this before. We've never heard of this Jesus guy. And so won't you come in here and, uh, and we want to find out a little bit more to get him away from the crowds. And so they begin to question Paul. And in Acts chapter 17, starting with verse 22, we're going to pick up in the story. It says, Then Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus. And he said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with an inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. You see what Paul did there? Paul said, Hey, let, let, me, let me appeal to you because of your love for worship. He didn't come in and, and tear them down. He, he didn't come in and, and start calling them pagans and tell them that they needed to repent right away. He walked in and said, I, I see. You're very religious. He said, I even see that you have an idol set up to a God you know nothing about. Let me tell you about that God that you do not know. And Paul found common ground. Paul was looking for ways that he might be able to share with these people. And so pick up with me, Acts chapter 17, we're going to start back in verse 27 as he's talking about sharing this good news message with people. So Paul begins to explain to them the gospel. He says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. Paul taps into this idea. He says, uh, even some of your poets write about this creator God. About how they feel connected and attached to him. And so Paul is just leaning into the things that they already know, the things that they already observe. And he uses that as a gateway to share about the one true God and about how Jesus, God's son, came to earth. Now, Paul begins to to share the gospel with these people, telling them about Jesus and about how he rose from the dead. And it's at this point when he starts talking about the resurrection, the one that we celebrated last week on Easter, that some people began to uh, take a step back. He got some eye rolls and people left the room. But not everyone. 
Acts chapter 17 continues to tell us that uh, several people came to faith in Jesus because of Paul's persistence and because Paul shared the gospel. Will you say yes to building community? Using Paul as an example, will you look for opportunities to connect with the people around you? Will you look for ways that you might be able to share the good news message with people? By all means possible. I love the example that Paul sets for us here. And and I love the fact that that in this passage, you know, uh, he preaches to this group in Athens. And and we could have read this story and it could have said that, you know, hey, the entire city came to faith in Jesus because of Paul's actions. It could have said thousands of people came to know Jesus because of Paul's actions, but it didn't. It said a lot of people walked out the door. It said a few people and named two by name, came to know Jesus because of Paul's message. The impact that we're going to make in our world is going to be one person at a time, one family at a time, one small victory at a time. And I know we love to celebrate the thousands Sometimes we need to recognize and realize that we're celebrating one changed life. That's the impact that Paul makes. There's some things that I pull out of uh, Paul's message here that I just want to share with you. And the first thing is this. Paul respected their heritage. He didn't come in insulting them. He didn't come in putting them down. He didn't come in mocking them. And so whatever uh, you know about someone that you're wanting to share with, uh, coming in with respect, I don't care if you're trying to share the gospel with them or you just want to be a good neighbor, you want to be a good friend, you want to be a good coworker. we need to share a level of respect with their heritage and even with their beliefs. Because we're never going to have an opportunity to speak into their life if all we do is build walls or tear down bridges. And so Paul came in with a respect of their heritage. Paul also looked for common ground. And we've kind of talked about this, but this idea that Paul looked for the things that they had in common. Here's the truth. For humanity, we are more alike than we are different. I know sometimes it's so easy just to see all the ways that we are different, all the things that we disagree on, all the ways that make us unalike. But the truth is that we are more similar than we are different. We are all created in the image of God. We are all broken sinners in need of God's rescue of redemption. And the sooner that we recognize that we are on the same level as all the people around us and that our hearts can go out to them, uh, the better we're going to be. And so Paul respected their heritage and he looked for common ground for them. But here's the thing. Paul shared the truth. 
Don't get it mixed up. Paul came in and shared the truth about who Jesus is and why Jesus came. He did it with love. He did it with respect. But Paul was not shy about sharing about how Jesus is the only way to heaven. He didn't come in and say, hey, all these little case G, lowercase g gods that you are worshiping, all these idols that you have set up, you know what? Those are good enough. Those idols are going to get you to heaven someday. No, he didn't say that. He said, let me tell you about the creator God that loves you and made you and sent his son Jesus to die for you. And that God is the only opportunity that you have for eternal life. Paul shared the truth. And so as we're looking to share the good news message of hope with people, we have to realize that we have truth to share about who Jesus is and why he came. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus is meeting with his 12 followers for the very last time. And as Jesus is gathered with them, he has kind of a farewell message for them. And so as, uh, as he's sharing this with them, he, he gives them this new command. We're going to look at it up here on the screen. It's not me reading, right? <laughs> All right. So in, uh, in, in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, says this. says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Here's the thing. This wasn't a new command, this was actually one of the very first commands that God ever gave people to love one another. It has its, has its ancestry all the way back into the Old Testament. But Jesus wanted his followers to see it with fresh eyes. As he's about to leave them, as he's saying his farewell to them, he knew that Jesus knew that he was going to die on the cross, that he was going to raise on the third day, he was going to spend a little bit more time with his disciples, but then eventually he was going to be back up in heaven. And that the 11 that would remain, that was in this room, along with other followers of Jesus, that it was going to be their responsibility to take this gospel message, this good news message of hope, out into the world. And so he says, a new command I'm going to give you. Love one another. He says, I need you to, to focus on this one thing. Loving one another. Why? Why focus on love? Why is that the thing that will mark us as followers of Jesus? It's because love is what draws us to Jesus. Love is the thing 
Love is what sent Jesus to the cross. Love is what brings us redemption. Love is the thing that is so attractive and so appealing that people want to hear about Jesus. Love is the key. And so maybe you're here today and you've never experienced the love that Jesus has to offer. And I'd love to talk to you. We just talked about, we celebrated that we had eight baptisms last week. Somebody's going to get baptized later today. Uh, People are finding hope and faith in Jesus all over the place here at White Oak, and, and it's so exciting. But maybe for you, you need to do that for the first time. Maybe this message of hope is something that you need in your life. But for a lot of us, maybe we've made that decision at one point in time in our life and and, and we are followers of Jesus. But maybe you feel like Jesus has been calling you in, that God's been calling you into spaces and your answer has been no. And you know it should be Yes. He, he's calling you to find common ground with your neighbors and your coworkers, with your classmates, with your teammates. He's calling you to find common ground with those around you so that you might have an opportunity to share this message of hope with them. What is it that God is calling you to say yes to? Where are you holding back? Again, that phrase that is used to describe Paul's ministry. By all means possible. And that's somebody who said yes. We've got a wall out in our lobby that is for our Say Yes series. And we've got these cards And they just say, simply say, I'm saying yes to. And it's an opportunity for you to declare what it is that God is calling you to say yes to. Because in this series, I believe that God will speak to each and every one of us and put something on our heart that he is calling us to say yes to. We want to display those on that wall. You don't have to put your name on it, but we just want to be praying over those decisions We want to be praying over those commitments. We want to be praying over those proclamations. You know what? This is the place where I'm going to say yes. Because eternity is on the line. Paul, who we've been looking at and talking about all day long, was passionate about one thing. People finding hope and Jesus. And my prayer is that we would be passionate about the same thing. Our neighbors, our family, our co-workers, everyone that we come in contact with coming to find hope and faith in Jesus. Will you say yes to building community? Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus. I thank you so much for the salvation that he brings, God. 
Help us to say yes to the things that you're calling us to say yes to. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.